When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 145 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's own dedicated sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. It's time to look back on the on the Merseyside derby. What was a very entertaining Merseyside derby, it's got to be said, considering they finished, finished nil-nil. A game that certainly could have gone either way. Both sides are probably looking back on opportunities that they had to, to win the game. Obviously, ourselves with a, a goal disallowed as well for, for offside. Um, but all in all, happy with the, with the point, it's got to be said. And Pete, obviously... You know, we, we were we were there in the paddock and you know from from what we could what we could see from the performance itself, it was certainly a much deserved point and, and a very, very good Everton performance, it's got to be said. Yeah, a, d- a deserved point at, at the least. Um I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll come on to some of the decisions that were made in the game, but uh, you know, it was a fantastic performance. I thought we were absolutely brilliant from uh, from start to finish. And you know, there, there were a couple of points in the match where we were up against it, and I I just thought we we rose to the occasion every time. Um, and it, you know it's hard to know where to start with you know players that stepped up for the derby. I mean we were talking about it a little bit before kickoff, weren't we? About the importance of having you know Blues in the team, and it was great to see obviously Gordon on the on the team sheet and Tom Davies as well. But um, you know Pattinson, what a game! What a game he had! You know, it was absolutely outstanding. You know, Luis Diaz had, I, I think, his quietest game all season. You know, there's no bigger compliment you can you can pay to the lad than that. He was absolutely brilliant. Mikalenko as well, on, uh, you know, on the opposite side. I thought Tarkovsky uh, and Cody were just so organised, um, you know, concentrated superbly throughout the whole game. I just thought we were brilliant. And every time we went forward, we looked dangerous. Um, again, I know we'll come on to it. I think we're, we're a little bit wasteful with some of our big chances. But the pace of the game, um, you know, and uh, you know, a couple of lads, it would be the, the first Merseyside derby. You know, Mope had to step in. We don't know how fit he is. He's obviously not, um, not had any Premier League football so far this season. But it was just so positive. I think, and it, it's it's the most positive I've come away from a a, a home derby in um in a long time. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, there was you know I I mean the fans were terrific all game. I thought you know the atmosphere was very good from the the coach welcome we were down there for that um to all the way through the game. You know there there wasn't really a quiet period from from the crowd to be honest, and I think that really helped spare the spare the side on. You know, and and it brought some really, really good performances from. I'd, I'd say everyone. I'd say every single player contributed something. Whether it just be energy, commitments, you know, anything, they they contributed something to getting that point yesterday. And like we said, you know, okay, we probably a little bit wasteful at times. You know, uh, we we had we had a couple of clear cut opportunities, um, but for me, for me, Lee, it was just nice to see us match. Liverpool side. I know what they're all about. We we know how strong they are. They've been strong for for a number of years. But Everton, Frank Lampard said before again about matching Liverpool for energy and, and passion and commitment. And, and Everton, there was certainly evidence about the Everton side. That wasn't it. Yeah, it, it, I I totally concur with that. I think um, it was quite. It just made you feel quite proud watching our team. Uh, and that's not something we could say about an Everton team now um, for a long time, isn't it? You know, a good few years. You know, um, how many times have we just heard the phrase that most fans want? It's just, you know, an identity uh, on the pitch that kind of reflects the fans 
in the ground. And, and I think that's what Frank has, 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 you know, certainly early stages managed managed to build so far. I mean, you, you know, think of the overhaul he's had to do. I know we've said this before, but what he's what he came in with compared to now. I think there was a stat, wasn't it? Only some like two players started the last the derby at last derby at Goodison that was four one. Only two players out of the eleven uh, were on the pitch yesterday, which it is was, just yeah, madness. One, one, outfield, one outfield player wasn't so Jordan Pickford and one other player on that side actually started the same game last. I think season. it was Grey, wasn't it? I think it was yeah, Grey. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, it was Grey. Yeah. Which is which is just absolutely bonkers when you think about it. You know, the the, the upheaval in that in that respect, and 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 obviously Liverpool won at a canter last year as well, which was obviously embarrassing. And that was pretty much the beginning of the end for for Benitez. But um, it was a shadow of that team, wasn't it, in terms of what was on the pitch, in terms of organisation, structure. Um, everybody was just pulling in the same direction, and and that's what we want. You know, I mean. Considering now, look, the points we're on, we're on four points out of a possible 18. And when you say that out loud, it doesn't sound great. But in terms of what we see on the pitch and in terms of where we think this team can go as they play more games together and gel and get fitter, I think it, it's just it's just really good to see. And you'd never would have thought we'd have said that, wouldn't you, on four points out of a possible 18, which is just bonkers. And we've been unlucky in a couple of games, yes. Again, you know, a couple of centimetres robbed yesterday in terms of a a VAR, but but let's be realistic. I mean, the game could have gone either way. It was a hell of a game of football, wasn't it? I mean, it's probably the most exciting nil-nil you ever see. If you're a neutral watching that, you're absolutely gripped. Um, and I, I just thought we, you know, we gave a, a really good account of ourselves. And, and for me, it's our best performance of the season. Most definitely, you know, and I can I can say hand on heart, sort of week on week in game on game. I'm seeing improvements all the time from this Everton side, and you can see now. Now, obviously, the, the transfer window's closed, and we'll discuss that in more detail shortly. But now, Frank Lampard knows exactly what he's got to work with. He's addressed some real key priority positions as well, and with the um, obviously strengthening of the of the spine of the team. Really, um, you know, he's brought in some some I think some real quality, some some real characters. Um, you know, when they. I think now what we're seeing, we're starting to see the work that's been put in, you know, all over pre-season into the early games of this season. We're starting to see a little bit of the rewards of that. I know, like, we know we've not won a game yet, and it sounds a little bit crazy, maybe to people who, who might listen to this, who, who are neutrals and not Everton fans, and think, well, you don't want a game in, in six. How can you be sitting there be, you know, feeling satisfied? And, the, you know, Frank Lampard came in at a really difficult time. He, he had to basically... You know, set us up to be difficult to beat and pick up as many points as he could to, to make sure we stayed in the Premier League. Now, what we're seeing is, is Frank Lampard building a side, you know, only his fit, it's his first window as far as I'm concerned. The, the Germany one just doesn't count when you come in, you know, the day before the window closes. Um, but we're starting to see the work that's being put in and a structure and a setup, but also an adaptability peak because we, we see against Leeds, we see against Liverpool. He's gone to four at the back. He's gone to three in midfield. And he was getting criticised, I thought, for at Lampard for, for basically maybe being a bit of a, a one-sick pony and, you know, sticking with this five at the back because he can't do anything else. We've seen him be adaptable. Now he's got the the players and also the quality at his disposal. I mean, that, crit, that criticism is just ridiculous, isn't it? I, I think that almost the less time we, we can give that, the better, because what's clear now is it's all about the players. You know, he, he, and we, we spoke about that a lot on this podcast, haven't we? He's, he's had to play a certain way due to the personnel that he's had available to him. And now that he's got, we'd say, his first proper window under his belt and, you know, him and the club have done what the, the best they can um, in that window, he's been able to bring in players that give the team a spine. Um, and, the, you know, the 4-3-3 or, you know, whether it's a, a 4-5-1 without the ball or, you know, uh, a four 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 one one without the ball. Um, how good do we look in transition compared to the the, the five three two? Where you know, yet we've been solid, but we'd probably say if you don't have Calvert Lewin in that that side, or um, you know, we don't have Richarlison, so you know, a, a strong, physical, mobile, powerful nine. It's really hard to get out when you're under the cosh. Whereas I think the way we've played the past two games, you've been able to, I suppose, see what having three in the middle gives you uh, in terms of being able to get out 
really quickly and get high up the pitch and have much more of an attacking threat. So the signs are just so positive, aren't they? I know we're going to come on to the, the, the window shortly, but you look at the squad now and you looked at the, the, the team available for Liverpool, even without um, you know James Garner, who wasn't even available for the bench. And you think, you know, we've got options now. We're, we're so much more adaptable and we've got depth and we've got quality to bring in. Um, and if we get a bit of luck with injuries, I, I'm really excited to see what, you know, what Lampard can do with this team. You know, not to get carried away, but for me, we've not had a bad performance so far this season and we're only getting better. And, you know, that win will come. Um, you know, we've got Calvert-Loon and Decore in particular to come back and get into that team. And yeah, I'm really excited for where this could go. I mean, talking about, about the midfield three, you know, as we said, a lot of standout performances. Nathan Patterson was absolutely terrific, uh, of course, and, and all the back four, really. But that midfield three yesterday, a few eyebrows raised, maybe again, that Tom Davis started. However, as you said, Gargay, where it was nowhere near match fitness. So Tom Davis performed pretty well against Leeds and got the nod again. But that, that three of, of, of as you said, Gargay, when he came on uh, for Tom Davis, and also Onana and Awobi. That midfield three Lee, yesterday, you know, for the, the four the four lads you played in there, it seems to work really well, doesn't it? You, you you look at sort of how disciplined they are, how they support each other, you know, how progressive they are as well. Awobi yet again, you know, making things happen, looking to play forward. The midfield three now, and we've been saying it for a little while, if we can get the right people in, that that's going to be the way forward. They look like probably we've gone. It's gone from probably the weakest part of our start eleven to potentially the strongest. And that's testament to to Lampard and Fell, isn't it? For getting for getting the players in and 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 you know, recruiting players. Um, like I said last week, at, at different ends of the spectrum in terms of Garner bringing that experience and Onana with all that potential, and then obviously James Garner again, another young lad with potential. Um, and a Wobi somewhere in the middle. So um, I know you didn't bring in a Wobi, but you know what I mean. The point still stands. I, th- I think you've got to put this into context. I, I read Greg's piece in the Athletic this morning, and um, obviously Frank was, I think, scared to play that four at the back after that Minnesota result, wasn't it? In the friendly, he went four at the back, and if the midfield that day was made up of two of the three that played yesterday, and that was a Wobi and Tom Davis. And let's be honest, we got our backsides absolutely handed to us by Minnesota in that game. Now, obviously, there was extenuating circumstances. They were halfway through a season, so we're fully fit. You know, it was absolutely stifling in terms of conditions, heat-wise. But the point is, I think that scared Frank into thinking, I think I'm going to have to play five at the back here in order to try and keep a clean sheet. So sometimes losing games like that can work in your favour, isn't it, in pre-season when there's nothing on it? Because you get to see different attributes of the team. But it's a stone's throw away now. Now the th- you throw, obviously, Onana in there as, uh, you know, the third spoke to the wheel, if you like. And and I thought they were all fantastic yesterday in different ways as well. I thought Davis, before he went off, was brilliant. One of the best games I've seen him play. And he's getting so close to scoring a bloody derby. And the, the, the one, the chance he had last time, do you remember? Um, I think it was Anfield, wasn't it? Was it Anfield in, in, no, in like, the last minute? No, was it Goodison, was it? Yeah, and obviously you know he, he tried to pass it in to, to Mina, didn't he? Instead of shooting, and that was a great effort yesterday. Fantastic effort, you know, it was in, instinctive, outside of his foot, and he was just so so unlucky. You know, a millimeter or so to the other side, it probably would have just crept in, and you know you'd have been talking about what a finish that is. I mean, that was like you know uh, Harry Kane ask if he'd have buried that, wouldn't it? Um, but no, I thought. Um, I thought all, all three in the midfield were outstanding. And then Garner, when he came on, I mean, Lampard summed it up and said, he blew his cheeks out, didn't he, in the press conference and went, yeah, we've got a player here. Uh, you could just see straight away, just so, so calm. The game was pretty stretched at that point and there was a lot of transitions going on, you know, ball ball turning over really quickly. It was like a basketball game and he, he was just so calm on the ball, wasn't he? Doing what he does well, which was just intercepting making tackles, his timing of a tackle Garner is absolutely brilliant. You know, very rarely flies in, just, you know, reads the game brilliantly and uses the ball brilliantly as well. And yeah, um, you know, that counter-attack we had, which partly came from him, wasn't it? And then obviously to Gray, um, it was a superb bit of skill where he skinned Milner. 
lift it over him. And it was 5v3. And if there was a criticism, I'm sure Frank will probably say this to the players in the debrief, you know, that 5v3, for example, and a few other moments, you just need that little bit of calmness, don't you, in the, in the final third? Just a little bit of ice in your veins, really. And that's one thing that we... Well, both teams lacked, to be honest. Um, you know, um, whilst the keepers, both keepers had fantastic games. Um, if there's a criticism, that just a little bit of composure in the final third. You know, that I keep on just thinking back to that 5v3 break and Salah being their last man as well. And I hate to say, you know, if, if that's Man City and it's 5v3, they just work it so it's a tapping, don't they? Um, and, you know, whilst we got the first bit right in the past to, um, to Mopai, his touch was dreadful. And that made him just be, basically just have no chance to sort of slot it. He just had to swing at it. And, you know, I mean, I mean let's, let's, he's a striker. He was always going to shoot. But I did put a still image up on, it, on Twitter saying, look, I know the game's 100 mile an hour. I know he's a striker. I mean, someone there with just absolute ice in the vein just rolls it to him and it's a tap-in, isn't it? Um, and then we, we wheel off at 1-0. But I don't want to be overly critical. That, that, that That's being harsh. I, I just thought in every department, other than obviously the, the clinical bit, putting the ball in the back of the net, we were superb yesterday. Yeah, I think the, thing, the, the Mopey chance is it. You know, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? At the time, I was sitting there thinking... How's you missed that? And I still, I still think that, of course. And I know you, you put the, the still image up, um, and it always looks a lot worse, doesn't it, when the, it's not a moving picture? And you've got it, you've got to be really, really switched on. Um, it's, it's, it's split second decision making. But I think you know he's going to be, he's, a, he's a striker. He's there to score goals. His first thought is, is to, is to finish. And let's get it right. He should have scored, and he knows himself. He should have scored. He should have shot first time. He should have shot first maybe time. He's so, given the keeper a chance to set himself, and he that's what maybe so, maybe so. But you know, he knows he doesn't need doesn't need telling. That's for sure. You know, I thought I thought I think he, he ran the most of any player yesterday. Which you know, he played ninety minutes, which is someone who's not played all season. It's testament to him. You can see he was tired in the last sort of ten or fifteen, but I think he ran eleven point one kilometers, which is 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 a lot of. A lot of running. Um, you know, we were unlucky. He made some good runs, though. Do you not think, lads? I mean, obviously, we've been craving a striker. You know, those little runs. You know, there was one in the first five minutes at the park end, wasn't there, where he got played in brilliantly by Gray. Lovely little slide ball into him. And he just dragged the shot. And he was a good run. It was a brilliant mm-hmm. runner. He just dragged it. And another day, he drags it a little bit a little bit more. And it goes straight to Gordon, doesn't it? And he taps it in. I mean, Gordon yeah. was inches from it really you know what I mean he just agonisedly rolled past him but it's those sort of little runs that we've we've, we've lacked you know the runs like a number nine makes naturally um, and, and, and I must admit it did make a difference and he's only going to get sharper isn't he let's be honest he's only going to yeah. get sharper and he was unlucky as well I thought when, when Tom Davis hit the post um, he he sort of he sort of slipped and the shot was sort of semi-blocked wasn't it and it went to Tom Davis he was unlucky there as well so we did take up some some really good positions, and, and I think it was a real solid debut. And nice to have, have a proper striker up there, you know. I think Gordon and Gray are, are much better, as as we all know, playing playing wider. Uh, but a, a real a real solid debut, as we said. Tom Davis hit the post, and he hit the post in there a couple of years ago against Liverpool at Goodison Park, which is what I was referring to. When you know he's he's, he's getting so close, but well, great performance from him. And again, I think a lot of it stems from now the fact that. There is that strength in, in depth, and all that's going to do for me, and it, what it should do, it should serve as a real positive, but also a real kick up the backside for, for, for players to basically make sure that they put their all in, they're switched on, because when you get your chance now, especially in and around the, that, that middle of the park, you've got to take it, because there's players waiting now to come in, You know whether it be the core who's, who should be back, hopefully, against Arsenal, whether it be Antti Sagana, Gay, James Garner, you know they're all waiting. They're all waiting for that for that little spot, and and we we've got the luxury now of having that little bit of quality in the middle. Uh, but as I say, all the lads who were in the middle performed, but you know I thought particularly well. I thought Onana yet again. I mean, I, I said this against um, against Leeds. Um, he, he seems to grow into games. He was the same against Fleetwood. You know, and bear in mind he got booked for absolutely nothing, but he. He manages game really, really well, and he for me, Pete, is 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 a real, a real exciting prospect. You know, he, he's somebody, he's a real character. 
you know, he's always dreaming the crowd up, even there's some great footage there from from after the game yesterday when he, he's going around and he's he's um he's he's clapping and he's singing along with the crowd and things like that. But he looks like a great addition, doesn't he, to the uh, to the football club. He he just looks so assured, doesn't he, for uh, you know, young lad, new signing, been playing in, in you know, in France and short career so far, it's a completely different um, style of football, completely different league. But I, I almost think, myself included, I think a lot of Blues maybe were at risk of judging him a little bit too quickly because I think in the Villa game and the Forest game, um, you know, obviously he looked, he looked slightly off the pace um, or, you know, he, he was, it, it seemed like he was very keen, understandably, to, to make a, a big impression. Um and he was trying to get on the ball a lot, and you know, silly, silly yellow, big, you know, big mistake in the in, in the Villa game that um, you know led to a goal that he then made up for. But since then, he seems to have really settled, doesn't he? And you know, he's putting in types of performances you'd expect from a you know a seasoned, experienced, um, you know, Premier League central midfielder. Uh, you know, he played the right pass, played it simple. He was reading the game, and. It, it, Actually, when we didn't have the ball, he was sort of playing that role, sort of shielding the uh, the, the back the back two really, wasn't he? Woby and Davies tended to play in front of him, so actually he was the one that was picking up the ball and starting off our play a lot of the time. Um, and it wasn't until Garner came on that he had the freedom then to play a little bit further up the pitch. So again, if we can keep him fit, that the, the future is so so bright for for him and us. He he, he looks like. Yeah, a really fantastic, uh, really fantastic signing. Um, and yeah, again, like like the other players we brought in, I'm just so looking forward to seeing where it goes for him. What's amazed me is, is you've just said it, alluded to it though, is how quickly he's adapted. There was that game, you're right, it was against Villa when he came on and uh, he got the ball in midfield, it was laid into him. He tried to obviously run over it, didn't he? And and, and you used obviously um, his body, lost the ball, led to the goal, didn't it? And, you're thinking, oh, you know, what's he trying to do there? You don't want, you can't lose the ball in that part of the pitch. But how quickly he's, just, he's adapted to the pace. Normally, you know, you look at the likes of Fellaini when he came in, exactly, you know, it took him mm. half a season, if not longer, to to adapt to the pace of that of the Premier League. And what's impressed me the most is how he's adapted so quickly, um, and how he how he uses the ball now. You know, he, there's there's times when there's a forward pass on, yes, but there's also times where he just knows when to keep it. That's a sign of a good player, isn't it? You know, there's times where he knows to play the right type of pass, where he's under pressure, you know, and he hasn't done anything like that Villa mistake ever since, has he? In terms Definitely. of you know, it's, dribbling. It's a testament to him, isn't it? He's just been able to, to slot in after those yeah. you know, first two games. That, that So, you know, what happened or certain elements of his performances in those two games haven't got to him. You know, yeah. after the Forest game, I, I sort of took a bit of a step back and thought, OK, this is how it's going to be for Anana for the first season. Maybe just little cameos off the bench, maybe last 10, last 20. But now he's, he's slotted right in, hasn't he? Brilliant, mate. Absolutely brilliant. It's just a sign of a class player. And you've got to remember, he's just turned 21. That's what scares me the most. He's just turned 21. You know what I mean? And and he's he's come in. He, he's obviously walked straight into the team now. He, you know, be one of the first names that Lampard puts down now, probably. Um, and and yeah, he, and and I like the fact that when Garner came on, that he got pushed a bit higher up as well. I think we'll get more out of him when he's pushed higher up because Garner's clearly going to be the one that just sits and mops everything up, you know, Kante style, and he's going to be the eight then. You know what I mean? And and I I do think you know if we can get him in the box. You know, and, and and you know, give him chances. I think he'll get a few goals as well with his physical presence. I mean, if you look at that first, what was it? The first five minutes we broke with Mope. He was the one that ran beyond him. Now it came to nothing in the end. He scuffed it with his left foot. But the point is, you know, that's. I think that's what we can get out of him. I think he is genuine out and out, box to box, isn't he? Just on Garner there, by by the way, how good was he when he came on? He he just looked yeah, like he'd never been away, didn't he? Just slotted right in. I, I you know, you could really see what we've been missing. He's such a class act, isn't he? Yeah, it's like I said before, mate, he's, 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 he just makes the game look, you know, he's so composed, just, you know, used a bit of class, didn't panic, used the ball well, tackled brilliantly, read the game, just, you know, it was just like watching a, a, a Rolls Royce. You know, like when we had Barry, Gareth Barry, just the same, you know, just like players are just like, the game just looks too easy for them and, and he, he was superb when he came on and, 
like Frank said, you know, he's barely trained. He's barely, he hasn't played a competitive match. And, you know, they brought him in and he's looked like that already. That's testament, testament to him. But um, the midfield three, if he is going to go with the three now of, of him, Onana and Awobi, you know, that's a decent midfield three that all of them got their own unique attributes that they bring to the table. The only argument I would I would say, and this is the task that Frank will probably put to them, is, lads, let's get some goals and assists out of you three as well. That's what I would say. Yeah, they, they, we've got that contribution, haven't we? That, that's that's really important. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of the actual the derby itself, you know, it wasn't as if... The, the, the impressive thing for me was, it wasn't as if we just thought, right, OK, we'll shut up shop. Uh, I'll go five at the back. And we'll just try and see this out. We had a rather right good go. We had some really good chances. Unlucky not to not to have won the game. Um, but the, the, we, we've got to we've got to discuss it because it it happened. It's it's another another VAR issue. And and for me, it was absolutely shocking. And I'm not even referring to the goal. We we accept the offside and, and we move on. The tackle from Virgil Van Dijk on Anana. Obviously, these things always look worse when they're slowed down. But on any given day of the week, it's got to be a red card, Pete, hasn't it? He's gone in on his shin, his foot, his boot's gone down his leg onto his onto the top of his foot and his ankle. It's got to be a red card, hasn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, people might might accuse me of bias, but just to be clear, that tackle was right in front of me. I, I had a perfect view of it and you could see it in real time he, he's gone over the top of the ball he's gone right down you know he's gone right down his leg Anana was clearly hurt the referee paid no mind to it at all um I thought he had a terrible game in in general by the way uh which which we might come on to we were getting absolutely nothing from uh from that ref but it, you know it was a classic case of uh you know it's it it is it, made made a bad tackle Mm. Yeah, you know how I, I, how that wasn't looked at further. I, you, you know, and and the, the the people who are what you know in charge of VAR, they're watching the same game that we are. That's that's what I don't understand. That they're watching exactly the same thing as us. It takes seconds to review that and have a word in the referee's ears. Seconds. So th- there is this sort of selective bias, isn't there, about what they're choosing to review and what and what they're not. You know, it takes no time at all to look at a tackle like that. You know, he's clearly gone over the top. Players clearly injured. Just review it. It, it. You know, it would take you five seconds to look at a clip of that and go, "Oh, okay, he's gone over the top." Have a word with the ref. Uh, yeah, either you've missed that, or you know, go to the monitor and and and, and have a look. I mean, VAR's got a lot of press this weekend, hasn't it? But it's, uh, you know, we, we've not um, we've not done well from it so far this season. Well, it was Frank Lampard, wasn't it? Who after the game he highlighted the you know the media making nothing of, of this of this tackle from Van Dyke, and he said you know within the day for me it, it's a red card, and it was almost as if he's because he, he's gone over to him just to see if he's okay. There's not as to see here, and it's so frustrating. Like you say, Pete, it's been a shocking weekend in terms of VAR decisions. You know the, the one for, for West Ham at Chelsea was absolutely horrific. Um, there's been other ones, the, the Newcastle goal as well against Crystal Palace. Um, but that, for me, is a, is a basic, basic decision. Now, I would always question, if that was the other way around, would he have stayed on the pitch? Oh, nah, nah. You know that he wouldn't. If that was on Van Dyke, you know he, he would have been off. And that's the massive frustration because we, we go then, would it, would it be about 20 minutes or so left of the game? 20 minutes, them down to 10 men. We were already having a go at, as well. You know, the game was end-to-end. Anything could have happened in that in that particular situation, and that's where the the, the frustration lies. Um, and you know, can we can, you, can we just sorry, Mike? Can we just quote Peter Walton as well? By the way, <laughs> yeah. Is, I mean, you know, imagine imagine right that they 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 actually show live the conversations between the VAR ref and the ref on the pitch, and they come out with the words that Peter Walton said, which was it started on his shin, which is a red card. But then went down to his foot. <laughs> so, 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 hold on a minute. So it's gone from a red and it slid down to a yellow. That's basically what you're saying. I mean, I mean, if that's the type of conversations that they're having, it's no wonder they're not replaying it live, isn't it? Because it, it'd be literally like the blind leading the blind. 
I mean, if you like listening to bloody Basil Fawlty, sorry, in, in, in the VAR van or something like that, you know what I mean? No clue whatsoever. I mean, the one today, I was watching Brighton, McAllister scored an absolute worldie, top bins. You know, that's what football's all about. Probably the, one of the goals of the season. And it gets ruled out. And then they reviewed it for four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was ruled out from a guy who tried an overhead. Didn't touch the ball, but he went for it. And no one appealed. And then the guys put a rocket in the top corner. And Leicester haven't even appealed anything. And they've reviewed it and cancelled it. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's just absolutely nuts. I mean, I'd rather it now, genuinely. Just scrap it all together and we just go off literally human error. And I know, obviously, there was lots of times where we can point examples of horrendous mistakes in the past. But at least the game isn't being interrupted. You know, imagine that Cody goal there. I mean, obviously, I wasn't there, unfortunately, at the weekend. You boys were. But it it went off, obviously. The roof went off. Cody's gone absolutely berserk. It's one of those moments, you know, pure and unadulterated passion, which is what Sky want as a product, incidentally, as well. And yet, literally... I just looked at it then straight away. Obviously, you wouldn't have had the hindsight of a replay because you were there. But I, I looked at it straight away and was like, it's going to get disallowed that. It's going to get disallowed that straight away. Straight away. Absolutely straight away. And in the end, you just think, what an utter passion killer that is. And like you said, Mike, look, if you're going to actually go over tooth and nail, he was just off. But, you know, the lines were there. You know, it's obviously, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, what it would have been before VAR, wouldn't have given it, but then if it had, let's say you'd have watched match of the day that night, it'd have been one of those moments going, yeah, he was just off the one, it just off. But it, yeah, you know, it would have been, it wasn't a howler, was it, by any means from the linesman? It wasn't a howler, mm. it was only just off. So for me, football for me needs to go back to that. The sport just does not lend itself to reviews for minutes, and in, in today's case, four and a half minutes. It's not like American football or rugby where everything is stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. It's 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 a fast flowing game, you know what I mean, where literally passion and raw emotion is a big part of it. And you know, if you're sanitizing that now by doing these pointless reviews, uh, a lot of the time they get wrong as well. It's it's just it's just a waste of time for me. Absolute waste of time. Yeah, I to- to- totally agree. Totally agree. And we we've had this discussion many times over the years on this show in regards to VAR and the rights and wrongs of it. We know it's that. I mean it's down to it's a personnel who were actually sitting there, you know, hundred miles from, from the stadium in the referees here. Um, but I was all, I always preferred the, the old way of, if you can say that, you know, goal line technology is great. It's instant. It tells you straight away. Absolutely no issue at all with that. But th- th- this, this system that is there to help officials on the pitch, by the way, is, is doing anything, but especially, especially for, for certain teams. You know, we look at the Leeds game for us, the the Mari Gray goal, you know, for me, should have stood. No different to Marcus Rashford against Liverpool, you know, a couple of weeks earlier. We're talking, we're talking, you know, not even a toenail. It's just, it's just ridiculous. We look at the Connor Cody goal, probably a bit, bit more, bit more to it, a bit more offside, but again, really tight. But you, know, you, look, you look at the tackle on Onana, and for me, it's absolutely horrific. And he should have been. Yeah, sensitive. yeah. I mean, he's, he's, they've not even reviewed it, Mike. It's not even reviewed. No, it's I mean, no, look, there's an argument to say that he didn't go in with loads of force, right? I mean, there's, I, can, I can, I can, no, no, but I can understand that argument. If you're making a case, I can understand that he's not reckless, he's not out of control, but it's still a bad tackle. It's over the top of the ball, straight on the shin. You know what I mean? Any more, any more force, he could have potentially fractured his shin because it's below the shin pad. It's a bad tackle. Didn't even get reviewed. Yellow card, see you later, move on. And that, this is what I mean. It, it's pointless having it. I mean, look, the system's there. We all know the technology's there. It's the people operating the technology. It's, it's too many cooks, isn't it? Too many cooks in the kitchen. That's the problem. And that's the problem we've got. We've got, you know, that's why they're not releasing the footage where they're speaking to each other as well, because I bet it's an absolute shambles. You know what I mean? In terms of when they're speaking to each other, it would just make it, it would make it a hundred times worse. Otherwise, if, if it wasn't that bad, they would have brought it in by now. You know, them speaking to each other, you know, the refs speaking to each other uh, uh, on the mics. So, for me, I mean, it's not going to happen now, but they're bringing this, obviously, they're going the other way now by having these chips and a ball, aren't they now? And they're going to trial it in the Champions League. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Because for me, having seen the video for it, I think I sent it to you guys as well. That's almost like over-efficient. Now, let's see how it goes first before we judge it. But do you know what I mean? It almost seems over-efficient, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's now going to go down to the exact millimetre, isn't it? And, you know, let's see how quickly it works. Let's see how accurate it is. 
if there's any signs of that being as bad as it's been since the introduction of VAR, just been the whole thing for me. You just want it to be consistent, don't you? I mean, the, the thing with the system they've got now, there's still someone in a little room somewhere drawing the lines, and that that's the thing that really gets me. You know, this this is meant to be objective, and it really isn't. You know, when you like Mike said, you compare the Rashford goal the, to the Damari Gray finish for for two one against Leeds. I mean, I, I would love someone to explain to me why one of those is a goal and one isn't, because it's really not clear from the, the process that they're going through. It, it seems to be about who's drawing the line and whether they want it to be on or offside. But it's also, yeah, exactly, Pete, it's also the frame rate, isn't it? Because if it's a thousandth of a second. Now, if you fast forward it a thousandth, a thousandth of a second, you could be on. You could rewind it a thousandth of a second, you could be off or vice versa. Do you know what I mean? So literally, that, that's what we're talking about. And it's like the point I said to you yesterday, if they're going off the shoulder, your weight as a striker or whoever puts it in the net is going to be leaning towards the goal. As in a defender, it's going to be going the opposite way. So in, in, in effect, you're always going to have, if it's really tight, the shoulder's probably going to be, your weight's going in that direction. You can't, your weight can't go in that direction and be leaning backwards. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's not a foolproof system. You know, if, they're going to, if they were going to bring it in, it would have to be a hundred percent accurate, like goal line technology was, where people don't even talk about it now. But it wasn't. They brought it in. It's imperfect, and it's caused more problems. Now, you know, you know, it's sad to say that this game yesterday. You know, I'm not saying it would have ended one nil. You know, who's to say Liverpool wouldn't have scored? They would have probably laid siege to us. And you know, you can't say it was if it was the 95th minute. You could probably say, yeah, that's the winner. But you know what I mean. Um, I just think I just think that they really really need to, need to if this chip chip system doesn't work in the Champions League and the World Cup just bin the whole thing for me just bin it off altogether and just go back to a linesman and a referee and then that's it. Well, there's a lot there's certainly a lot of lot of work a lot of discussions to be had around VAR and I could spend all day with another pass especially after what I've seen in in recent weeks and, and yesterday um, but that that's certainly a conversation for for another day but. All in all, the positivity, you know, it's, it's probably been hyped up a little bit more. We can see, we can see where the club are going. We can see the planets in place and and the quality as well that's also being being brought in. And we're going to discuss after our first break of the day the transfer window and our thoughts on it overall. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast, and it's almost a, a a mini assessment, if you like, in terms of our thoughts on how we thought the. The transfer window went a lot of talk and, and maybe frustration in some parts. The fact that we couldn't get another attacker over the line before the before the window closed. Um, and I, I I said it on on Thursday's show. I understand it um, to a point, but the window on on the whole, it's got to be seen as as a success. Whether you want to give it a, a seven out of ten, eight out of ten, whatever you want to mark it. Frank Lampard and Kevin Thelwell have decided that. The spine, the centre of the pitch is, well, was the most important areas to look at and to improve. And that's certainly what they've done in this window, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. How many times as fans do we look at, you know, the team as a whole and then think, yeah, he needs pulling out, that needs changing, he needs sold, we need to sign these types of players. And then invariably, very rarely, the manager then follows what, as as fans see on the pitch. So that's why I think you have to give massive credit to Lampard and Thelwell, who've had, you know, essentially a tough time, you know, limited window with the squad anyway, during a tough period. And they've seen what we've seen, haven't they, if you like, as fans. Now, obviously, they see more because they get to see the dynamics in the changing room. And one of the things that, there was a brilliant piece, one there, Frank, behind the scenes with Rio. If anyone's not seen it, it's on BT. It'll be on YouTube as well. Just type in Lampard and uh, Rio Ferdinand BT Sport, and it, it gives you an insight into Lampard's thought. Lampard's thought on the team, himself as a manager, how he wants to play, etc., uh, etc. Et really good piece, and and you know he was saying clear. One of the things that really stood out is that there wasn't any leaders in the dressing room. We've been saying that for ages, haven't we? We've been saying the lack of leadership in the dressing room is is so obvious. He's seen that straight away. And in Cody and Tarkovsky now, he's brought in like two absolute old school leaders. I think he said to Rio, didn't he? He said, like, Cody reminds me of the types of leaders I used to have when I was a kid, or we had Rio when we were coming through at West Ham. You know, vocal, positive, would give you a rollicking if you needed it. 
nowadays, obviously, a lot of these kids now that you know they don't produce football doesn't really produce those types of players anymore, does it? And 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 to be fair, he spotted that, and those two guys have come in. Both of them were brilliant yesterday, and you know everyone's saying Cody can't play in a four. Well, you know if you if he plays like that every game, he's going to change a lot of opinions. And I thought he was excellent yesterday, and he was unlucky not to get the winner. But um, yeah, that that's really really pleased me more than anything. Those two coming in and and adding that leadership, and you know the clip that got replayed of Gordon um, getting shoved about by. Um, Obviously, Leeds United's Viking at right back. You know what I mean? And then Tarkovsky comes flying in. You know what I mean? Like a steam train and gives the lad whiplash. You know, how many times have we been crying out for that, boys? You know, somebody just to come flying in like that uh, and, and just, just backing up his teammate and obviously in the referee's face as well and things like that. So that's been brilliant. And um, the only thing, obviously, you would say, and, and Frank didn't allude to it in, in, his, in his presser uh, uh, after the window had finished, is that, I, I do think, obviously, he'll deep down he would wish he probably would have got another forward or a wide forward with goals in them. And I know we were linked with Offie, obviously Chuck Awazi on the last day. We were linked with Kudis um, and um, obviously uh, Diaz as well. And I'm glad, I don't know what you boys think, I'm just glad we didn't pay the 20 million that they were asking on the last day of the season when he's in the last year of his contract, which basically almost values him at about 40 million. Um, and I just think I'm so Everton in the past wouldn't they would have probably just completely panicked and signed him for that sort of money when I believe you said Mike wasn't it a 12 million deal was agreed with Fulham and potentially as a couple of weeks before or something no it, it wasn't agreed I think I think what the what they said was I think they started off the valuation uh, at the start of the summer at 20 million quid so we was going to the last year of his deal and they wanted £20 million, and, and then they lowered it to 15 So they were thinking around 15 Um, I think Fulham went in with a £12 million offer twice. <laughs> it got turned down the first time, but they tried again. And then Everton were around, around the same mark. And I think it's really important to, to, to take that away, because if you look at the players we brought in, you mentioned there, obviously, Tarkowski and, and Connor Cody, two, two real leaders. You know, you, you're looking at the... The age profile of them, and and you know a bit older, Edu Sagana Gay. So he's brought in, you know, three three lads there who are of a certain age, more mature, a bit more experienced, but needed in this side. But then he's also gone out Frank Lampard and picked up some younger players as well, whether it be obviously Onana, um, even Benagre to, to a certain extent, it's not particularly old. Dwight McNeil, Mope, I think, is only only twenty six. Um, so he's, he's bringing in players of different profiles to improve this side. And I think it's it's really important that we do look at, OK, what what have we done well in this window? Who's being brought in? How, have we improved as a, as a side? I would say yes. I'd say there's certainly more, more balance there. You know, you, you've got competition for places now, especially in the middle of the park, we mentioned before, obviously, the players who come in in Onana, James Garner, it's just a Garner gay, you know, and then you've then got you've then got Tom Davis, you've got Alan, who's who's been a bit of a forgotten man, Abdullah Dekore, and also Alex Awobi as well. So you've got, you've got seven lads there who can play in that midfield three. But then in terms of the attacking options, we brought in Mope and, and McNeil. But he was right. We were right to say on deadline day, and people can argue, well, why have we left it so long? Well, what we were doing was we were trying to address key positions first. That was that was quite obvious. And both the manager and Kevin Thelbell felt that we had to source out the middle of our defence and the middle of midfield. We were then having to balance the books and we had to wait for players to leave. Now, Gabamin went late. Deli Ali went late, which which freed up obviously a lot of our our wages. Andre Gomez went on on deadline day, you know. So we had to play with all that as well, and we did bring in two attacking players in Dwight McNeil and and Neil Mopace. So frustrating, I get it, but you can't do it all in one window. That that's really important. But but I mean, Pete, how important is it? And and I think quite refreshing to see Everton just say, do you know what, we're not overpaying for someone. We're not flapping on deadline day around for. An attacking player or a striker. We're not giving into your demands of 20 million quid for okay, a lad who's had one good season in the championship, looks a talent, but he's got one year left on his contract. We've stuck to our guns, we've got what we've got, and I think we'd be right to, to go down that road. De- definitely it's the, I think it's the change a lot of fans have wanted and needed to see. 
isn't it? That you know, we we've changed the the, the way of the past four or five years. Where you know, I, I can't remember where I, I I read it. I read an article that said that you know the club had gone out to try and make signings to impress the fans. You know, to show that there was a a change of culture. And there's that statement, isn't it, that that's grown a bit tired now of a um, a statement signing. Uh, you know, clubs look to make a statement signing when they, they they come into money, and it's just completely the wrong way to think for for modern football. That that mentality, and it, it really hasn't worked at Everton, and we we've needed to learn the lesson that you know we can't we can't just throw money at at, at players, and we can't get so desperate to bring someone in that we then bring in the wrong type of, of player for the system, or you know. Uh, we cause a knock-on effect with FFP for um, for later transfer business. So I'm as frustrated as anybody that we weren't able to add a you know more competition for attacking places and maybe someone that could play across the three. You know, we were talking on the previous podcast about you know ideally we think that's what Lampard would have been after. But I think if you look at how deadline day went and the the different types of wire players that we were linked with, it's clear that there was a strategy underpinning that. Um, you know, you might say that they're all a similar calibre of players, similar age. And for me, the reason why the, the, the Diaz deal didn't get over the line was probably because he wasn't, you know, t- top of the shortlist. Um, and the club have looked to try and uh, try and do a deal if a deal for the right price is able to be done, which is absolutely the right philosophy. Um, and, you know, and hopefully one that we'll reap the benefit of. I, th- I think we will need a little bit of luck again with, you know, with injuries in those positions and hopefully we get that luck because uh, historically we haven't, but it was absolutely a, a change that we needed to see. And, and hopefully, um, it, you know, it's evidence that we're going in a different direction now. I think that's really important, isn't it? I think, I think the change of direction or, or going in the right direction is something as fans that we've wanted to see for, for quite a while. And I mentioned earlier on the show, you know, we, we've probably taken our weakest part of the pitch in terms of the middle of midfield and made it into, into potentially the strongest with the most competition. Um, I think, you know, we, we look back over the last couple of seasons when we, we were saying we can't play, we can't play a, a, a midfield or two, or we haven't got the players to play a midfield three. And I think, you know, in both of Frank Lampard's system so far this season, I think it's shown that we we can, we can do, we can do either. We've got mobility in there now, whether it be with a Wobi, who's obviously top of the running stats pretty much every every game. Onana's he's a big physical lad. He's you know he's he's quick, big big long limbs. We know what Atusagana Gay is all about. Tom Davis, to be fair, is looking that little bit fitter and fresher. The Corey to come back in, you know, the the only probably probably the slowest of all midfielders is probably going to be Alan, you know. But for Trout to have someone like him on the bench, it's got to be seen as a real a real positive, you know. Somebody can come in as and when it's needed, you know, to to see a game out. He can come on, and then you got a youngster in James Garner who, okay, unproven in terms of the Premier League, but he comes in with with a, a decent reputation after what he did at Forest last season. United fans, by all accounts, were disappointed to see him go and thought he deserved a, a chance at some point this season. So, you know, we've I think we've done a, a, a real solid job as well, I would describe this this window. There seems to be more balance to the side. Um, obviously, a bit of pressure on the lads in the in terms of the attacking positions to, to contribute. We, we've seen so far Anthony Gordon and Amari Gray scoring a couple of goals each. You've got to hope that you know, Neil Mopay starts chipping in. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, when he comes back, he starts chipping in. So I might kneel. And, and the lads behind, you know, whether it be a Wobi O'Nana, um, you know, those kind of players as well have, have got to have got to contribute also. But you know, it was it was a window that I thought we'd bring in say five. I knew we'd let a lot, a lot of players go, a lot of players are out of contract. And it was it it's been great to see, you know, players not being given new deals you we you know don't really deserve them and we shouldn't be offering who are on big money, they've gone. Players who were fringe players who, you know, for one reason or another, haven't been offering a great deal, they've gone, whether it be on loan or or on permanent deals. So we've got to, we've got to I think, take our, our sort of uh, our hats off to the management team, to Kevin Thelwell, 
for, for the work that they've done. And I don't know about YouTube, but I think, you know, going forward, now the window is shut, the manager knows what he's got to work with. I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how how this side does develop, you know, and and how strong it becomes. Because I, I think now, Lee, I think, you know, the rest of the season, now we can look forward. Looks a little bit brighter in terms of the players that we've brought in. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if you, you know, if you're going to analyse the window last summer compared to now, it's night and day, isn't it? Now I know obviously we were restricted a bit by FFP, but um, you know, considering we've sold Richarlison, and let's be honest, you know, we were all expecting, or the rumours that were, we were only going to be able to sign two or three players, wasn't it, mm-hmm. in the window, and to come away with eight players with a much more rounded squad now. You know, in terms of attributes of the players that we've got in there, it's, it's been a very, very solid window. Um, and the, the, the team and the squad just looks unrecognisable now. And this goes back to the point we've said all along. You know, we, regardless now of where we finish, and if we do finish, like Frank said last week, you know, between Frank McKenna, that is, between, you know, 10th and 14th or something, 15th. There. But we can see the progress that we saw in the derby yesterday. I think most of us will take that. You know, because then we just think, oh, okay, well, what we need now is we just need that little bit of quality in the final third, because that's what we're really lacking. And and you know that that for me is is, is, is superb. And I was very critical of, and I, I I still didn't think it was the right deal at the time. Obviously, we lost Dina because of, of Benitez. But you look at Patterson, for example, he's been you know alongside Awobi, probably been our best player this season, hasn't he? I mean, he was outstanding yesterday. Um, I mean, he got highlighted now. He's starting to get highlighted, obviously, you know, on 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 Sky and on Match of the Day and things like that as well. He was he was picked out. He was just absolutely outstanding. He's got a bit of everything, the lad, hasn't he? He's got a bit of everything in him. He's 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 good getting forward. He's been, you know, his weaknesses have been attributed to being a bit, you know, in a back four, maybe not not being solid. But he was outstanding. He shut down Diaz yesterday brilliantly, and Diaz has given people some hard times since he's come into the Premier League. And, um, you know, an attribute of his game we haven't really seen yet is his ability to cross the ball as well. Now, at the moment, sadly, he hasn't really got any, anyone in there uh, to cross it to. But once Dom comes back and he's given any sort of space, he's got that technique where he can whip it. And I, I just think, you know, for, what, is it, what do we get him for in the end? About 10, 12 million quid in the end. He looks an absolute mm. snip now, doesn't he, at that sort of price. We've been crying out for ages somebody obviously to come in and, and take Seamus's mantle and you know this kid just looks looks a real real player um you know I, I really like the look of him and, and and Frank obviously was saying himself you know he was unlucky not to get his debut last season because the injury he got before the Villa game that ruled him out for the rest of the season but I mean he's taken his chance and he Seamus obviously injured at the start of the pre-season you know he's take you, you've got to say in the six games he's played he's been absolutely outstanding what, what, what I would say on Patterson before we, we, we wrap this bit up and, and look ahead, obviously, to our next game, I think almost that injury that he suffered last season has done him the world of good. He wasn't thrown into a side that was in trouble. Uh, the, the pressure that came with that would have been immense. Obviously, there was calls from it, all, all fans to get him in there, you know, because we were looking for somebody and, you know, some kind of beacon of light at a really dark time for the club. I think him being injured, and taking a step away, settling into life in the city, obviously um, understanding the club, the culture, you know, getting used to new surroundings, have really helped them to kickstart and, and kick on this season. And and I think I think that was almost a blessing in disguise for for such a young lad. You look at him now; he's growing every game. He was terrific yesterday. You know, if it wasn't for Jordan Pickford's heroics, which. You know, we I think we even failed to mention it because there was that much to go through. But Jordan Pickford yesterday was absolutely sensational, by the way. Um, if it wasn't for Jordan Pickford yesterday, then Patterson would have walked away with the with the man of the match because he was fantastic. You know, he plays with passion, he plays with heart, he's physical, you know, he, he you know, he, he was bullying Nunes and Diaz at times. You know, he's he certainly doesn't shake out of a tackle, he's not afraid to put his foot in. Um, you know, th- this kid I think's got a really bright future. And Another, another another good deal. I know it was done before Frank Lampard came in, but that was a good deal. Him and Mikhalenko, I think, have, have really settled in in really well. Um, but you know, it's um, all in all, I think we've got to come out of this window and with, with some real positivity and and look forward to to, to what's to come. Um, and I'll 
I'll be certainly banging the drum of the, of the manager because I think the manager deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with Kevin Thelwell, what he's what he's done in terms of his setup and his flexibility, and and I look forward to see to see where we go. Um, but as I said, you know, it's we're we're going to be back back on the pitch shortly. You know, the games the games coming around quickly because of the World Cup in in November December. We're going to be facing Arsenal next weekend, next Sunday. Uh, difficult to sip to the Emirates, and we're going to discuss that in the final part of the show after the short break. Welcome back to the final part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast. Um, where we look forward to, to a trip to, to the Emirates. We, we've seen Arsenal beaten today by Manchester United by three goals to one. Um, the media, I'm sure, will build this up as uh, Jordan Pickford against Aaron Ramsdale. As I said, Earlier on, you know, Jordan Pickford was an absolute superstar on the Merseyside derby. Some of the saves he made were just out, out of this world. And they like to build this narrative, don't they? And every single time Jordan Pickford makes any kind of slight error, he, you know, with, there's a big discussion around whether he should be starting for England and whether Ramsdale should be in, etc., etc. But there's a lot more to this game than just, you know, two very good goalkeepers, as, as both of them are. Arsenal up until... The, the performance against Manchester United were, you know, top of the table, won every game. Mikel Arteta, uh, you know, was being given time, which which I, you know, I think we, we, we've we said it for, for quite a while now. Every manager needs needs time within reason. And Arteta last season, you know, and, and before, to be honest, you know, it, it was was getting quite a bit of stick at times. If you watch that all or nothing, which, which is a great watch, by the way, uh, in regards to Arsenal last season, Fans were calling for him to leave at a couple of points in the season. They just missed out on Champions League football in the end. But but Peter, it's it's probably testament to Arsenal in a way. And I'm going to give them praise here because I think they're a very good football inside. And I think Arteta has done really well and built a good side. But it's testament to giving a manager and a young manager at that time, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, like you say... You'd say the majority of Arsenal fans were, were calling for Arteta's head, a season and season and a half in. I mean, even the, as you say, the the start of last season, the midpoint of last season, um, there were a lot of really disgruntled fans. But that it, I suppose, a bit like Everton, it, it's a, a squad that's had a complete overhaul. You know, the 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 Arsenal team today is completely unrecognisable, even from. You know, two seasons ago, three seasons ago, um, you know, complete reshaping of personnel and style of playing. Um, you know, and Arteta's been allowed to really put his stamp on the team, get his philosophy across, and they're a force to be reckoned with now. Um, and I still, I believe, despite losing to top of the table. Exactly that. I mean, they started the season really well. What's them against United? You know, they bossed long periods of that game, I thought. And, you know, when they got back to one all, I thought they're going to turn this game round. And it was almost a, a little bit of, of self-destruction on behalf of the manager, in a way, when he went 2-1 down and he changed things. You know, he, he went all out, didn't he? And he brought on attack, three attacking players and, and it was to the detriment. But that, that shows you the mindset, is what I'd say. You know, Mikel Arteta is building a side now that's got quality, the the very quick in terms of on the on the transition they've got exciting attacking players Gabriel Jesus has, has been a great signing Zinchenko's been a great signing Saka's in good form you know they've, they've got some good young quality players now and you can see you can see what he's what he's done and what he's trying to do and in terms of obviously us going there we, we obviously were, were turned over quite comprehensively on the last game of the season, but that's because our, half of our pace was still half cut after the Crystal Palace game. They've been drinking for about three days before the game, so we can cut them a little bit of slack on that. But Lee, going there, facing this Arsenal side now, you know, a blip against Manchester United, you could argue, but United in, in good form themselves, so it's n- no shame in going there and losing a game of football. But it's an Arsenal side that has got a, a lot of quality, uh, especially, obviously, at home, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. And have, have you got any kind of um, positivity going into the game? Yeah, I thought Arsenal, by the way, until in, 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 with a better side overall today. Uh, I watched the game, uh, or, or chunks of the game, and, and Arteta has really, really, really built a decent team there now. Um, real young, hungry team. 
Um, you know, the suffocating teams when they're really playing well. When I've seen them this season, they're not letting teams get out. Once they pen you in that final in in the final third, there they're not letting you get out. And you know they scored that goal. I mean that first goal, by the way, where Ericsson fell over rather easily. That was quite soft. That I mean, you know, it's it's one of those where you're happy if it if it's against you, but you're fuming. You know, um, if it, if it's the other way and. I just thought they were very lucky. If, if Martinelli's goals allowed there, I think Arsenal give United a much different game there. Um, in terms of you know, United's victories have come by getting the first goal and then being hard to beat and then playing on the counter. And then that just suited them down to a tee yesterday. Both, both sorry, uh, earlier today, both goals, Rashford on the counter attacking it, balls in over the top. But, uh, you know, Arsenal, the way that the, way they, the, the little one-touch passes, the little flicks around the corners, Jesus has been brilliant in terms of holding the ball up, his link-up play. Uh, it looks really, really sharp. Um, and they've won, obviously, five out of five until today. Uh, that game could have easily gone any uh, uh, any other way today, easily. And I thought they were um, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. Um, so it will not be an easy game whatsoever um, when we play them. Our record there, as we know, isn't isn't the best. We're due a win, to be honest. It'd be ironic, you know, uh, if we get our first one there in a long time because um, you know they've been superb. So it's one of those at the minute where yes, you'd love a win, of course we would, but again, we'd be happy with a point, wouldn't we? Of course, yeah. And I know, obviously, we, we want to get this this first win of the season, uh, but you know, at the moment. Chips away chips don't become much more difficult than a, than a chip to the Emirates. Um, and obviously, we've got we've got to understand that we've got to understand who we're facing and and look to get a positive result. I mean, I mean, Pete, do you think we're going to see the same kind of setup? Do you think it's going to be for four four to back again, three in the middle? Uh, maybe as Isagana Gay comes in if he's if he's uh, fit and ready. Uh, there's rumours that, that Dominic Calvert Lewin could be in and around the bench. Abdullah Corey could be back as well. The, the squad's going to be stronger, but do you do you see a four three three again? I hope so. I mean, I I, I certainly would uh, would go with the, the three in the middle because I just think we, we look like such a more composed and dangerous um, outfit. Being able to have um, a, a more compact midfield, I think we really struggle with that transition when you, you again you, you haven't got Calvert Lewin in the side. I think you, you you can have an effective sort of three four three when. You've got somebody to uh, to link up play and hold up the play, uh, you know, and and be aggressive and occupy two centre halves. But I, I think if we have, you know, whether it's um, Gray McNeil Gordon or um, Gray Mope Gordon, th- there's just not the physicality there. And although we're dangerous on the break, I think when teams come on to us over the course of a game, it just becomes I think too difficult to to get out consistently and to. Um, to see out teams, and I think it would just play into Arsenal's hands. Uh, and I, I know, like you said, Mike, the um, the final game of last season's not a good comparator, but I I think for for me it, it, it's enough of a comparator to say you can't go there with a with a back five. I, I think go there with a you know a good compact back four, three in the middle. Let's let's take them on. Let's you know be as aggressive and. Um, and as organised as we were against Leeds and Liverpool, and maybe we can get something from, uh, you know, from the game. Yeah, we've got to go there with, with, with confidence. You know, we as much as we we've, we've been drawing games, and obviously we've only beaten Fleetwood in the cup. We've been unbeaten, um, and and that's you know that, that's really important in terms of building positivity. I know players have have mentioned the fact that we've we've gone unbeaten, but what are we five games unbeaten now? Um, so four draws and one win, but. You've got to look at that, you know, positively, and and I think that we can go there and certainly certainly get get a result. Um, going to be difficult, you know, as we've already said. Assad, who started the season really well, and they've got a lot of quality there. But I think we can go there and, and cause a few problems. Whether we make a, the odd change here and there, maybe. But I think the, the manager probably sets up exactly the same with the same the same players, if. Only if it's Issa Garnagay is not quite ready. Because to be fair to Tom Davis, like we've said, he, he was terrific against Liverpool. Um, but maybe it's Issa Garnagay comes in just for his extra bit of extra bit of quality and experience in this kind of situation. Um, but and I, and I think to be fair, there, I think watching the game against United today, there was links between Arsenal and and Issa Garnagay late on in the window. Um, if stories to be believed, and he said he did, did he said he would go to his. Is Everton 
Um, so and doesn't surprise me watching Arsenal today. They probably lack that kind of player, but let's see. Let's 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 have our round of predictions anyway. Let's see uh, what what you think, Lee. What are we saying, Everton against Arsenal? Yeah, um, it's going to like I said before, a super 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 tough game. Um, and and you take a point as I said all day long. So I, I'm going to say um, I'm going to say one one. Um, being optimistic and, and look, I'd love us to get our first win there's still a chance we could you know with the way we played this season they've had their first loss as well um, I don't know whether I think they've got a European game in the week as well I think they have haven't they I was Europe Europe kickstart this week yeah so, yeah so for them obviously if there's a there's a little bit of a of a short turnaround uh, because yeah Europe Europe does kick off so yeah so that, that plays into it as well yeah, yeah. that plays into yeah. it as well so yeah, what 1-1 one, one for me, 1-1. One, one. Pete? Yeah, I'm 1-1 one, one as well. Draws galore. <laughs> and I was going to say 1-0 as well to complete the hat-trick. We're on the 1-0 on the train yet again. Um, let's hope so. You know, even if, if it's a draw, it's another positive result and we can do it. The, the, the side, I think, are looking confidence. We're looking a threat as well against quality sides. Let's see what happens. Uh, but that is us for, for today's show and this week. We will be back post Arsenal, uh, two o'clock kickoff next Sunday at the Emirates. So we'll be back after after the game to look back on the performance, see how the lads get on. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.